0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: So we are in the middle of chapter 50, page 754. And he discusses the higher level of love which is qualitatively superior to all the other levels of love which is compared to gold, just like gold, pure gold, gold is superior to silver. And gold is something that's uh, rare and has a sparkling quality to it and because gold represents within love itself, represents the left side, the strength, the intensity. Gevura, Gevura Mistakenly, people think that Gevura means limitation, to limit. Tzimtzum, to limit, to narrow, to... But the truth is, Gevura literally means strength, intensity. It means not to narrow, but to focus and to concentrate. It's a very intense, powerful surge of energy. And therefore, since there's a powerful surge of energy, therefore, if you can't handle it, you have to, be, you have to make sure that the vessel is able to handle it. It's it's very powerful. It's not like kindness, which comes gently and very soothing. But here, it's a powerful, powerful surge of energy. And it's not for everyone. You have to be ready for it. You have to be ready to receive it. Otherwise, it, can, it could destroy you. That's why Gevura is the idea, that's where the idea of Tzimtzum comes from, that Gevura means it's, you have to limit, you have to, you have to define, because you have to make sure that the vessel is able to receive this powerful, intense energy. So this is the love that comes from the left side, which is Gevura, which means intensity, strength, power, such a powerful love that causes a person to leave himself. That you leave yourself, you leave your own place, and you want to go to your lover. You want to leave yourself and um, go there. Instead of the other love, which is a love which comes from the right side, which is more gentle, is you bring the beloved to you. Here, you totally forget about yourself. You have such a love that it totally tears yourself away from yourself. And that's why it's compared to fire. Fire is intense. Fire is powerful. Fire also burns up. It burns up any sense of ego any sense of I and you want to completely forget about yourself and you want to become absorbed and unified with with your beloved just like the nature of fire fire leaps up even when you force it down you have to hold on to it with with a wick or with a wood but fire is jumping up it wants to be absorbed in its source it wants to completely forget about itself it's completely egoless that's the nature of fire so he says when a person strengthens the fire within the soul because every one of us has that fire we have that pilot but it's like coal it's like fire, it's coal it could be very dim you don't see the fire but when you blow on the fire and then you fan the flame and then it comes out it emerges suddenly it bursts out the flame bursts out so every one of us has a potential we have this potential this intense love for Hashem that's so intense and so powerful but it's, it's dormant we have to blow on it we have to fan the flame by meditating by meditating on the essence of Hashem how Hashem is for Himself how He completely transcends the world how Hashem sees the world from His point of view and how everything ceases to exist for Hashem and when you fan the flame that fans this intense love for Hashem it burns up any sense of self any sense of separation not only ego separation but even spiritual separation you don't want heaven, you don't want earth, you don't want, you're not looking for religion, mysticism, spirituality. None of that could possibly satisfy your longing and your yearning to become completely absorbed within Hashem. You want to completely forget about yourself and forget any sense of existence or any sense of I ah, or separation. And this leads to a tremendous a thirst for Hashem. A yearning and a thirst. So much so he's going to say, that the, the thirst and the hunger and the yearning leads to a level of illness. You, just like you can be, physically, be, you become ill. You become ill with, with, with you're your so in love that you simply can't function. Because you have to, unless you get, unless you acquire what you desire, unless you become one with your beloved, you literally become ill with love And ultimately, you reach a level where your soul could expire. You you reach such an intense level of love for Hashem, such a level of ecstasy, such a level of intense desire and yearning for Hashem, that your soul literally wants to escape the body. You just want to become one with Hashem. So the first step is, when you fan the flames, and you develop this intense love for Hashem, a love that sparkles like gold, a love that's on unf- When you're on fire with this intense love for Hashem, you want to tear yourself away from yourself and become one with Hashem. That leads you to a yearning, a thirst. And he brings a verse to support this.
0: This results from the predominance of the element of divine fire that is in the divine soul unlike other forms of love which derive from the element of water in the divine soul from this the soul comes to a thirst just as in the physical domain one becomes thirsty when the element of fire predominates so it is in the spiritual domain too the ascendancy of divine of the divine soul's element of fire creates a thirst within the soul as it is written my soul thirsts for you
1: the Rebbe explains why is he bringing A proof from a verse. You know, he's going to go on to say that this then this leads you to a love where you're lovesick. And for that he doesn't bring any scriptural support. Yet here he brings scriptural support. And why does he choose this verse? There are many verses. As he quoted in chapter 3, there are many verses. There he quotes three verses which describes the soul's yearning for Hashem. Until you're ready to expire from ecstasy. Why does he choose specifically this verse? So the Rebbe explains that in this case he needs a, he needs a proof, because it's one thing to say that a person is thirsting to have Hashem, as we learn in chapter seven in the Tanya, the sinner, the sinner is in a desert, in a parched desert. The sinner is so disconnected consciously disconnected from godliness, from holiness that his soul is thirsty and yearns with this intense yearning just like a person who is lost in the forest lost in the desert and there isn't a drop of water anywhere to be seen and he hasn't had a cup, he hasn't had a drink in three days you could imagine how thirsty the intensity of that thirst so that makes sense and the same is true spiritually when a person is in the spir- spiritually lost in the desert when a person is cut off from anything godly from anything Jewish from anything divine lives a life like in the jungle completely in the forest completely in, is spirit- spiritually lost in the desert doesn't do any mitzvot and doesn't study Torah doesn't pray and doesn't do any acts of goodness and kindness of selflessness leads a completely selfish Self-centered, self-absorbed life, me, myself, and I, from morning, afternoon, evening, day in, day out, 24-7. The soul is starving. The soul is, is yearning for some water, for some nourishment, a little truth, a little godliness, a little emus. Give me a mitzvah, give me, a, give me something. So you can understand how a person who's been deprived, a person who's been cut off, a person who's been disconnected, how this person could develop such an intense level of yearning for Hashem, which is how he explains in chapter 7 why the balt is greater than the tzaddik, because the tzaddik who lives life, who's doing everything that's right and never had any breakdowns and... You know, the tzaddik is coasting along. The tzaddik doesn't have this intense yearning because he was never cut off. He doesn't know the meaning of being deprived. He was always rich. He grew up in the the royal palace. He's living in the royal palace. He doesn't know what it means to yearn for royalty, to yearn for the king, to yearn. He doesn't have that yearning because he was never cut off. He was never deprived. But the baltruv, who was cut off, who was disconnected, who went to the other extreme, So, his soul has such an intense yearning that the tzaddik can never possibly experience it again. So, we could understand how the Baltruva could develop such an intense love. But here we're talking about someone who's a tzaddik, someone who has developed all the previous loves that we described, that he describes here, the loves of water. Because God is my father, and God is my life, and and God loves me, and I can't help but reciprocate. So you're talking about someone who's in a very high level. And then you say that then the person reaches a qualitatively higher love, which is a love of gold, which is fire, which comes from the left side, which is so intense and so powerful. And this is a yearning, a yearning, an intense yearning that the person develops for Hashem, for God Himself. The question is, how can he develop such a love? He was never cut off. You talk about a person who's on a very high spiritual level, a high, fully a highly advanced person, who's spiritually sensitive, who's spiritually in tune. His whole life is filled with holiness and light and godliness. How can he develop such an intense love? Is it possible for such a person to develop such an intense love? And that's why the Alter Rebbe brings a proof. That's how the Rebbe explains. He brings a proof from King David. King David says. Chapter 63 in the Psalms, he says, A song for David when he was in the desert of Judah. Then he says, I yearn for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. So who are we talking about here? King David. We're not talking about a sinner. King David. And where was King David? In the desert of Judah. We're not talking about in the Sahara Desert. In the desert of Judah. Adjacent to Jerusalem. So you're not talking about someone who's disconnected, who's so far away from holiness. You're talking about someone who's in Midbar Yehuda. He's in the, holy, in the holy place, in the land of Israel, in Judah, in the land of Judah, right adjacent to the Jerusalem and the temple. The place with the future temple. And King David. And yet, King David says, my soul yearns. I have such a thirst for Hashem. So you see clearly from this verse, from King David's personal experience, that even a tzaddik, could also reach this intense level of yearning for Hashem Himself. Why? Because when you realize that no matter how great you are, no matter how, what a high level you've reached, you've reached the heaven of heavens, you've, reached the, you've actualized your potential, you've reached the highest level of spirituality, and the highest level of consciousness but then when you realize that in relationship to Hashem it's nothing it's as if it doesn't exist it means nothing Hashem is so much greater Hashem transcends the whole world and the whole frame of reference to the world and the highest and the lowest Hashem is all the same We're So Hashem is so far so beyond anything that we can comprehend or imagine so then you realize that you're in the desert. But no matter how spiritually evolved you are, you are in the desert. You are in a parched desert. There's no water. As the Alter Rebbe would go into the veikut and he would roll on the ground, and he would become oblivious to his surroundings, and he would say, midli quote quoting King David Psalm 73, I, who do I have in heaven... And anything that's with you in, the, in earth I don't desire the only thing that I desire is you yourself my soul my flesh yearns because even the highest spiritual level the Hashem is nothing and therefore even the tzaddik, who lives, whose place is in heaven not only heaven, the heaven of heavens, the higher Ganatan, Ganatan the alien, the highest level of reward, of spiritual reward, the highest level of spiritual advancement and achievement and comprehension and experience and the highest level of consciousness. But when you realize that compared to Hashem, it's all nothing. This leads the tzaddik to this intense, fiery, passionate love for Hashem. That burns up any sense of I, any sense of separation. That causes you to leap outside of yourself and once and leaves you with a yearning and a desire to leap over any boundaries that separates between you and Hashem. You want to become completely nullified within Hashem. Not about me. My spiritual advancement, my religious, my higher levels of consciousness. Forget, you want to forget about yourself. There is no I, there's no separation. All there is is Hashem, your whole focus is the essence of Hashem. Not how Hashem is in relationship to the world as the creator, and as the lawgiver, and as the creator, but Hashem himself, the essence of Hashem. And you just want to become one with the essence of Hashem. And that's why King David says in the beginning of the verse, Kei Atta, you are my God, I desire you, you yourself, your essence. I'm focusing on you. And when you focus on Hashem himself, in any level you can achieve in any height or advancement, it's meaningless. It's nothing in comparison to Hashem. And that's why that evokes this tremendous fiery and this thirst and this yearning for Hashem himself. Then it reaches the level of love sickness where the soul is sick with love of Hashem, just as an unquenched physical thirst brings on a state of sickness the Talmud tells a story there was a person who had his eye on a, you know, on a woman and he physically became sick and he comes to the court and he says you must let me go out with this woman I'm going to die of course the court says die <laughs> you know because it was not an appropriate relationship you know she was a married woman or whatever but he said, but I'm dying. So, it's not appropriate, not appropriate. But you can see how a person could physically become ill. And you're so much in love that you physically become ill if you can't have, have what you desire. So, too, a person could become lovesick for Hashem. Imagine being lovesick for Hashem. That it, it, it physically affects you, your whole being becomes affected because you don't love with Hashem you know it's palpable in general the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe says all the mitzvot in the Torah have to be physical even the mitzvot that are spiritual for example love which is a very spiritual mitzvah, you love Hashem even that has to be physical the Torah says you have to love Hashem with all your heart so just like physically you can be in a terrible mood you know things are not going well wake up on your left side You're not having a good day. And suddenly, out of the blue, you bump into your best friend in the street. Your face lights up. It's like a load off your chest. You just feel like a million dollars. Physically. Because of your love to your friend, you can physically feel your whole mood lift. It physically changes you, and you can feel the difference. Your best friend walks into the room. It's like, ah, you feel great your worst enemy walks <laughs> you can also physically feel it <laughs> it's not just spiritual it's physical it's a physical shift that you can actually feel tangible. so too you have to love Hashem when do you know that you fulfill the mitzvah of loving Hashem when it physically affects you because you love Hashem it physically changes your mood Hashem is with me I love Hashem I'm not alone and therefore it gives you the confidence it gives you the oomph that you need the energy that you need so, so it's not an abstract love. You don't fulfill the mitzvah if it remains, if it remains abstract. If it doesn't affect you psychologically and f- almost physically, you can feel the difference. Your love of Hashem gives you that mood and that energy and that strength. You know, you would see the Rebbe after davening, after prayer. He walked in one person and he walked out of prayer a new person. You saw his step and his face was radiating and it was like he was literally rejuvenated and you know, in prayer when you experience that love for Hashem that's what prayer is it's not just mouthing words prayer is, that's the time when you fulfill the mitzvah of loving Hashem but you can physically see it on the person if a person fulfills the mitzvah properly the carriage is different they carry themselves differently you walk with a certain step with a certain gaiety with a certain joy it changes your whole... Physically, you can see the difference. So too, this love, this intense love, this fiery love, physically affects you. You become lovesick for Hashem. And then, even one step further... And then it comes to a virtual expiring of the soul. Kalaha nefesh. As it is written, and my soul expires, if not for the contrary sensation of retreat, and restraining oneself as explained further the soul would literally expire there's nothing holding back the soul the soul at that point wants nothing more than to become one with Hashem it wants to leave its earthly coil, its physical body any separation any boundary and it just wants to become one with Hashem and the soul is in danger of expiring this is actually what happened with Nodav and Aviyah, the two eldest sons of Aaron, who were holier than Moses and Aaron. And it says they offered a fire, the Holy of Holies, and they expired in ecstasy because they experienced this intense love for Hashem. This fiery love that we're describing, it's exactly what Nodav and experienced. And therefore, their soul just flew out of the body, the soul just expired. They were burned, they were consumed. Not they were physically burnt, but they were, burnt by their, they were consumed by their passionate, fiery love for Hashem that was so intense that they just fled their bodies and just wanted to become one with Hashem. They weren't thinking about themselves. And this is the highest level, the most intense level that a person could reach. Such an intense love where you have such a thirst. And then you physically become lovesick. And then you reach a point where your soul is about to expire. And you have to think of ways how not to expire. Like the story of the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya. When he was, once had a mystical experience with his colleague, with his best friend and his learning partner, the son of Rabbi Dov Ber, of his Rebbe. He was called Avram the Angel. And the Alter Rebbe felt that their souls were about to expire. So like he jumped out of the circle, quickly took a bagel, smeared butter on the bagel and took a bite and gave it to Abraham the angel and that saved their lives. (laughs) Brought them back down to earth, to reality. Otherwise it would have expired in ecstasy. You know, so this is a, this is like gold. This is, this is so rare. It's, it's a very precious commodity. This is to reach such an intense level to taste such a level of love for Hashem, which burns up any sense of separation, of ego, of I, of... This is, this is a tremendous, tremendous love.
0: From here, from the level of the higher devurat, of the higher bina, is derived the source of the divine service of the Levites for all in this world.
1: So this is the source of the Levium. We know the difference between the Kohen and the Levi. The Kohen was Isha Chesed, kindness. Aaron, the high priest, the first high priest and all his children are called him. Aaron was isha chesed, kindness, embodiment of kindness, of love. He would make peace between husband and wife. He would make peace between one Jew and the other. He, his whole approach was peaceful and soothing and loving and kind. His children, the, before they do the priestly blessing, before they fulfill the biblical obligation to bless the Jewish people, what's they say in their blessing, to bless the Jewish people with love. Because that's the whole modus operandi. They love. And they evoke, they light up the menorah, they evoke the love of every Jew to Hashem. So Aaron represents kindness. The right side. Chachma, wisdom, the right brain, the right hand, the arm that you extend in love, and kindness, you hug and Levi represents the left side Levi is the left arm that pushes away it's intense it's very powerful Aaron the Kohen is the one who makes the Jew feel at home makes the Jew feel comfortable soothes you heals you Levi is the musician he's the one who disturbs you wakes you up (laughs) is the alarm clock He's the one who stirs your consciousness. Who's demanding. Who elevates you. Who lifts you up. Who pushes you to go beyond your limitation. Is intense. Powerful. Seemingly he's saying here that Levi, which comes from gevura, the left side is superior to the right side. Just like gold, which comes from the left side, is superior to the right side, which is silver. So Levi is superior to the Kohen. And yet we know for a fact that who is superior, the Kohen or the Levi? The Kohen. It says clearly in the Torah, the Levi is an extension to the Kohen. The Levi is there to help the Kohen. But the main, the main one, the highest level, is the Kohen. And we find this also in the argument, classical argument, of the arguments in Hillel and Shammai. Before Hillel and Shammai, with one exception, there was no real arguments. Hillel is the liberal. Shammai is the conservative. Hillel is the kind one. The word Hillel comes from illumination, light. Talmud says he was so patient, he never lost his temper. Hillel was so gentle and kind. Shammai was tough. The convert comes to Shammai, he throws him down the steps. Hillel takes him in. (laughs) Teach me the whole Torah, one foot, one matto snap in your bite, sure, no problem. Hillel opened his arms. Shammai was tough. Intense. Powerful. Who does the law follow in the majority of cases? Hillel. Because that's the approach. The approach is the approach of love of kindness. The right hand is the predominant hand, not the left hand. A Kohen who's a lefty is disqualified from doing the service in the temple. You have to be a righty. Is that, yes. Physically, is that right? Physically, yes. It's considered a defect. You have to be a righty. The Kohen is right. You have to approach Hashem with the right hand. So the same thing is with Hillel. The law is like Hillel. Because it's Chesed, that's the approach. And that's the whole, whole Chabad approach. Hillel's approach, Aaron's approach, loving, kindness, gently, bring everyone in, a lot of love, a lot of patience. But the truth is, it says when Mashiach will come, the law will change, the law will be like Shammai. The law is going to be like Shammai. Why?
0: Because
1: the Mashiach will come, and that's how we're going to light the Hanukkah menorah. We're not going to light. Now today we light the Hanukkah menorah like Hillel. The first night one, the second night two, and then we add, increase each night. But the Mashiach will come, we'll light the menorah like Shammai says. The first night eight, and then seven, and then six, work our way down. Because Mashiach will come, the world will be able to handle the intensity of Shammai, of Gavur. That's why he explains that how can we say here that Levi is superior to the Kohen Battlefield 756. It says in the Torah, the book of Numbers, in the Parsha of Korah, that the Levian should accompany you and serve you. But clearly, the Levites, but Ezekiel, books about the future, says the Kohanim, the Levites. That the Levites, they will become the Kohanim. The Levites of today will become the Kohanim of the future. So, Mashiach. Which will prevail? Which approach will prevail? Which will, pre- which will dominate will be the approach of the Levites. As the Ariza says, the Levites of today will be the Kohanim, will become the Kohanim in the future. So now, the Levites are subordinate to the Kohanim. Just like Shammai is subordinate to Hillel. But Mashiach will come, Hillel will be subordinate to Shammai the Kohanim will be subordinate to Levim the souls of the Levim today they will become the Kohanim because that approach is superior the approach of the Levite is so much more intense so much more alive so much more vibrant so much more powerful profound real like gold sparkles in comparison to silver it's so much qualitatively superior to silver so all of this will emerge in its full glory when Mashiach will come. And that will prevail. Now, this obviously begs the question. You know, it's one thing to say that when Mashiach will come, the law will switch. Now the law is like Hillel. We light the Hanukkah Menorah like Hillel. Mashiach will come. And we're going to do it like Shammah. And there's nothing wrong with it because we have a rule that if there's a, let's say in the times of the Jewish Supreme Court, or the court, the court decides a certain law. The next generation, if the next generation, if the court is greater than the previous court, greater in wisdom and greater in numbers, they have a right to overturn the previous verdict. It's not set in stone. They can over, overturn Mashiach will come and there will be different circumstances and the world will be completely transformed and of course the the court of Mashiach will be the greatest Jewish supreme court that ever existed they have a right and they'll decide okay now all the verdicts that we we, that we rendered according to Hillel now we're going to switch and now we decide that today it's different and today we have to follow the opinion of Sham. but how can you say how can Darizal say that the Levites When Mashiach will come, they will be the Kohanim. It says clearly in the Torah. Every mitzvah in the Torah is eternal. It's one of the 13 principles of faith in Maimonides. The Torah will never change. Not one letter, not one iota, not one word in the Torah will ever change. The mitzvahs are eternal. So if there's a mitzvah in the Torah that the Kohanim are the Kohanim, the children, the sons of Aaron, they are the Kohanim. And the the Levites are the Levites. And the Levites are subordinate to the Kohanim. So how can you say, when Mashiach will come, there will be a flip-flop. The Leviyam will become the Kohanim. And the, and the Kohanim will become the Levites. And the, Lev, the Kohanim of today will be subordinate to the Leviyam of today. How could you violate the Torah? The Torah is eternal. It's one of the 613 mitzvot. That the Levite is the Levite and the Kohen is the Kohen. The Kohen has to do his service. So how can that change? That's a fundamental belief in Judaism. That mitzvot won't change when Mashiach will come. On the contrary, the whole theme of Mashiach is Mashiach is going to be the one who's going to implement and fulfill all 613 mitzvah. So, how will the Levi? So, if that's the case, so even the Levi, when Mashiach will come, the Levi will remain subordinate to the Kohen. Not like that Rizal says. So, what does that Rizal mean? So, the Reb explains, Al Rebbe Says Mashiach will come in the future, when the world will be elevated, they will be the Kohanim. And then he says, like that Rizal says, that the Levites of today will be the Kohanim of the future. But we're talking about today the souls of the Kohanim come from the right side from love, from kindness and the souls of the left side come in the form of the Leviyah when Mashiach will come there will be a spiritual switch the Levites of today the souls of the Levites of today will come back into the bodies of the Kohanim so yes physically they will be Kohanim the sons of Aaron, but spiritually they will be there will be a switch spiritually they will be the souls of the Levites of today they will be the souls that come from the left side they will switch from right to left so yes the Kohanim is always predominant and the Levi is sub- subordinate to the Kohanim but today the Levites are from the left side and they are, and the left side is subordinate to the Kohanim whose souls are from the right side when Mashiach will come there's going to be a spiritual switch we're not talking about a physical switch The Kohanim will always remain Kohanim forever and ever. It's one of the 613 mitzvahs. That will never ever change. God forbid. That's not what Darizal said. Darizal is talking about a spiritual switch. That the Levites, the souls of the Levites today will transmigrate, will come into the bodies of the Kohanim, and the left side, that will prevail, and that will dominate. They will become the leaders of the Kohanim versus the souls of the Kohanim of today who are from the right side they will transmigrate and they will enter into the bodies of the Hebrews they will be subordinate the right side will the Mashiach will come the right side will be subordinate to the left side the left side is so much more powerful like gold is so much more powerful the love of fire is so much more powerful than the love of gold. The difference between the Kohen and the Levi. The Kohen, the Zohar says, serve God quietly, silently. The Kohen does his service quietly, internal,
0: it's very calm.
1: Versus the Levi, his service to God, the main service was to sing. The same. He raises voice. Loud. It's loud. Something stirs is Is something stirring inside of a mixture of feelings. There's yearning, there's joy, and then there's sadness. And you're, you're running forth, and you're running back, and and you're, you're 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 in turmoil, and you're 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 looking for something, and you're seeking for something, and you're yearning for something, and you're trying to change, and you're trying to. It it stirs you up completely like, stirs the pot it completely stirs you up
0: this is music this is the Levi the Levi
1: represents that intense yearning that, it, that it, he has for Hashem that you want to forget about yourself you want to go beyond yourself you, know? you want to and therefore you, you, you cry out and you sing and then you go back and it's a dance Jumping back and forth. Well, the Kohen represents pleasure. Pleasure is something that's very quiet. It's very silent. It's very internal. And it doesn't shake you up. Pleasure doesn't shake you up. On the contrary, pleasure is very soothing and very it's very, impen- very deep. But it's very in- internal. Versus the fiery love of the Levi. this stirs you up. And it's not silent and it's not quiet. And it shakes you up. And it disturbs you. And it causes you to want to jump out of yourself. And that's expressed in soul. It's almost impossible. It's very difficult to sing and not mean what you sing. It's very hard. You may be able to do it, but the audience will tell in a, in a second. Singing comes from the heart, singing comes from the soul. Singing is genuine. That's why in our generation, which is so artificial, everything is so artificial and false and riddled with lies and there isn't even a shred of truth. It's hard to find that the spark of truth. In anything. That's why the youth are, you know, they can't be separated from their music. Because they feel it's the only genuine thing, you know, and someone is singing, at least they come across as genuine, you know, they're singing from their soul in their heart. While everything else, all the prattle and all the noise. It's out there. We're drowning in noise and drowning in words. It's completely disingenuous. And that's the nature of song. Song is something that reveals something from within, song expressing the soul, stirring and the soul. You know, it's yearning and it's you want to lose yourself and then you and then you come back to yourself and it's this back and forth and this dance and this you know, this joy and then this sadness, this withdrawal and then this jumping out and and it's, it's, it's alive. It's something that's very powerful and very profound and very intense. So, the Levite represents where Judaism becomes a song. So when you get into the experience and something stirs inside of you, you express it through song. And so this is the the Song of the Levi, and this was their whole service. Because internally, that's what they represent. They represent this Jew fanning the flame of that fiery, passionate, intense love that you have for Hashem, that yearning, and that lovesickness that you have for Hashem, and that desire to become one with Hashem, and to lose yourself, and forget about yourself, and to cling to your, to your beloved. This is like the love that's described in Ezekiel which describes the angels, as explained in the Talmud, that the angels rush back and forth. They're running. That's what the Levites do. The Levites was, the leader of the Jewish people. He was the one who woke everyone up. He was so alive, so intense, so real. He was on fire. And when you're on fire, you can't help but be affected by it. And you stand next to a person who's on fire. You stand next to a person who's burning. Who's intense, whose life, his experiences life on such a real level, who's living life on such a profound, real level, he can't help but be affected. It affects The Levite like enthusiasm is contagious. The Levite's fire spread throughout the whole Jewish people. He was able to affect with his music and his singing and his experiencing godliness on such an intense, fiery level, he was able to reach I every mean, he was able to touch everything. Because it touches you very profoundly. When you meet a person who's on fire and who's jumping and who wants to change and wants to grow, you can't help but be affected by it. The Kohen is much more abstract. The Kohen is very quiet. It's very internal. It's like pleasure. You know, on one hand, pleasure is even higher. But that's very quiet and very private. It doesn't have such an immediate effect. Uh, It has a more abstract effect. But the Levite, he's the fire, he's the, the he's the volcano that wakes everyone up and disturbs everyone around him and gets everyone to shakes everyone up and shakes himself up and shakes everyone up and disturbs you and creates a restlessness. That's a good teacher. That's what the Levite was the teacher. Well, who's a good teacher? A good teacher is someone who makes you hungry, who makes you feel restless, who gives you a yearning to learn. Suddenly you have a need to know and you have a desire to know and you feel parched and you feel hungry. and That's a teacher. A teacher is not just someone who gives you information. A teacher is someone who teaches you how to learn. Who creates you, makes you into a student. Who shows you how restless you are and causes you to be restless. And then everything that you learn, you gobble it up and you absorb it and it talks to you and it sticks with you and it stays with you. That's a true teacher, a teacher, someone who wakes you up, stirs something inside it, causes you to be restless, to want to change, and even be open to radical change, and to seek the truth, and wherever the truth takes you, and this is the lady, he's the musician, he's the one who sings, he's the singer, he's the one with a loud voice, he wakes you up, and when you experience life, the dance of life, and you see how real it is, and how It's profound and how on fire the lady is, and he's a volcano. You can't help but be affected. Sparks are flying, like the chayyas, the angels, buzzards, like flashes of lightning, of light. It's exciting, it wakes you up. It has an effect in you. And then you want to change, you want to grow, you want to get out of yourself, you want to grow beyond yourself and stretch and push the limit. This is the effect of the Levi. The Levi is gavura. The Levi is intense. The Levi is powerful and profound. The Kohen has a whole different energy. The Kohen is quiet. The Kohen is pleasure. The Kohen is wisdom. The Kohen is love, kindness, soothing, calming. A whole different approach. Today, that is the predominant approach. That is the prevailing approach. That's all we can handle. Most people can handle volcanoes. (laughs) Too intense, it's too powerful. Everything has to be. But Mashiach will come, we'll all be able to handle. That's all we'll want. We'll want the deepest, the most intense, the most profound, the most genuine. We won't we won't stand if anything, if any mediocrity and any dumbing down of any we want the real thing, the real Makuri, the authentic, the genuine. Mashiach will come the Levi will damage the souls of the Levi Levian today will transmigrate into the bodies of the Kornim and they will predominate while the souls of the Kornim will transmigrate into the bodies of the Levi when Mashiach will come okay
0: it is impossible to explain this subject clearly in writing yet every person with a feeling with a feeling heart who has has perfection of, of heart who is understanding in that he uses his faculty of Dina and intelligent in grasping a subject by using his faculty of thought and delves deeply to attach his mind and understanding to champ by using his faculty of thought to find the goodness and light concealed within his intelligent soul each according to his capacity.
1: So he's saying it's hard to <clears throat> put into words. You're talking about a raw experience it's hard to put into words. You can't it's difficult to put it into writing and even not in writing, even to describe it. because unless you experienced it, unless you've tasted it, it's hard to describe. You have to experience. He says a person who is a profound person, a person who's a deep thinking person, a person who has worked in himself and has meditated and reflected and had had, had, had experiences. developing a love for Hashem and a person who reached this level and had experienced the level of love which comes from gold, which comes from the left side this intense, powerful love, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but other than that it's hard to put him through you have to experience it as much as he's describing it, he says you're talking about something that's beyond description you just have to feel it you have to experience it and if you experience it you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and and he adds continue one is affected
0: one is affected in one way from one type of meditation and one is affected in another way by a different form of meditation right. all
1: roads lead to Jerusalem but there's many different paths you know what affects one person what excites one person is not what will reach another person excite another person because you're talking about the heart especially you're talking about the inner heart you're talking about very subtle subtle. so to approach the heart and what's going to excite your heart what's going to fan the flame of your innate, inherent and born love for Hashem the fire that we all have in our souls everyone has a different way so the meditation that's going to inspire you is not going to be the meditation that inspires someone else but if you experience this level of love this intense level of love we have, physically love sick for Hashem and you have experienced such a thirst and such a hunger and such a thirst for Hashem Until you feel like your soul is about to expire, this is something you have to experience. You can't describe it. Someone who never experienced it won't know what you're talking about. The truth is most people never experience such a love. Not only a love for Hashem, in the the physical world, experience such an intense yearning for something, such an intense desire for something, such an intense love for something. I mean... In today's society, you don't even know what the meaning of love is. You don't even know what love looks like, period. Real love. We're not talking about puppy love or infatuation or childish love. Here we're talking about real love. It's not even discussed in the culture what real love is. But let alone this level of love, this intense level of love, this, this love we are on fire it's, it's, you can't describe it. You have to experience it. And anyone who experiences it knows exactly knows exactly what what we're talking about. But there's one caveat.
0: Prefacing this meditation by fear of sin, the fear of doing wrong by sinning.
1: In order to become utterly removed from evil, holding oneself from doing any wrong, to avoid the transgressions and supposing between you and Hashem. Hashem forbid in other words whatever form one's excitement to love of Hashem takes one the first be told me the to okay so the only thing is in order before you reach this level of love first you got a clean house you can't bring the gold and even the silver and in, into a schmutzica place first you got a clean house when you have an environment a clean environment then you can invite the king in they don't invite the king in to first you gotta polish, you gotta sweep, you gotta clean. And then you can talk about all to develop, in order to develop all these levels of love, let alone the highest level of love, first you have to cleanse yourself. Because sin gets in the way, sin obstructs. Sin clogs you, clogs your heart. Doesn't allow you to experience these levels of love. Doesn't allow you to access it. Yes, you're born with it. It's innate. You have it inside of you. We all have the spark, but you can't fan the flames. There's something covering the coal. You can't, on one hand, pour cold water on the coal and then blow on the coal and wonder why there's no fire. You're blowing, but on the other hand, you're pouring cold water. You're extinguishing the flame, or you're covering up in the flame. Sin diminishes you. diminishes your spiritual strength. It doesn't allow the soul to emerge. It covers up. So first you have to remove all the obstacles. You have to clear the way. Once you have a clean slate and you remove all the obstacles, now you can develop. I created an environment in which all these sensitivities and all these very profound feelings that we have in Hashem could be developed but you can't love Hashem and at the same time love worldliness as all the great rabbis say you can't, these two loves don't go together why can't they have it, why can't they have it all I love Hashem on and Shabbos and I love something else on Sunday why, why you know, Saturday night I love this and Shabbos I love Hashem for some reason it doesn't work it doesn't go together you know, it's, it's, it's all consuming you love or you don't love it's real or it's not real you can't compartmentalize when I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual Shabbos, I'm spiritual but then I change my hats and then I become something else you know, you could change hats in the, in the material world in the external world, you can change hats all day but in the spiritual world, it doesn't work that way. You can't just switch hats, change hats, just flip channels. Today I'm this, tomorrow I'm that. It doesn't work. This is real. Where are you at? You really have a hunger for Hashem? How can you have a hunger for Hashem when your heart is elsewhere and your mind is elsewhere? When someday your mind is elsewhere. So the Shabbos, you have a hunger for Hashem. It doesn't work that way. If you have totally removed any obstacle and then you're totally focused on Hashem, then you can develop this all-consuming love, this consummate love, this passionate love. And it's real. And it's you. Because this is from within. It's real. You have a yearning. You feel restless. You feel dissatisfied with the status quo. You want to jump out of yourself. So it's not, it's not time-bound, it's not something that's external, it could be compartmentalized. This is you, it's coming from the inside, it's coming from your deepest depth. So you can't be, well, I am this on one day and I'm something else on another day. That's, that's if you're artificial. But if you're genuine, if you're real, you're 24-7, you're consistent, you're the same person. You don't change. So if you're talking about developing a real love for Hashem, a real relationship with Hashem, you can't wear two hats. You can't switch gears and, you know, it doesn't work. Unless you it. Or you're talking about the genuine love where you become lovesick, where you're on fire. When the Levi sang, everyone around them could feel that fire. It affected the whole Jewish people. It was for real. You can't fake it. It's hard to sing and fake it year. And till you reach a point where you're literally ready to expire, your soul is ready to expire. This has to be you. And if it's you, and it's you, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, twenty-four-seven, wherever you are, whoever you are. So you can't, you can't have two two different lives. You can't be split down the middle. You can't be schizophrenic. I'm wholly here, but then I park it, put it on hold and then let me go to my other life and then let me go back to this life it doesn't work He says in order to really experience a genuine love for Hashem the love that he's describing here you have to get rid of all the shmutz get rid of all the garbage sur get rid of all the negativity 24-7 and then create an environment where you can develop all these delicate sensitivities and you can develop a genuine yearning for Hashem a fiery love for Hashem that's palpable that you can feel that you can experience that will elevate you transform you change you challenge you inspire you light up your life and that's the highest level that you can reach in order to reach that level first you gotta get rid of any negative and any negative behavior You can't behave one way and then it's the exact opposite of holiness. goes against the Torah and then expect to develop a love for Hashem. It doesn't work that way. You can't walk around telling lies and then expect to come to shul and feel this fiery love for Hashem. You told a lie. How How can you love Hashem? It doesn't work. You can't go around slandering someone and then stand in shul and fire away. It doesn't work. And you feel it doesn't work. No, the fuel is not reaching the engine. It can't, because you're blocking it. The, the sin blocks, gets in the way. So you have to clear, clear the path, clear. And then the you know, Shama could flow freely. And then the Shama could express itself freely. And it has the freedom to really express itself. And then you can experience and taste all these loves, all these delicacies and these, these loves.
0: Okay, next week, we'll conclude the chapter. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at lessonsintanya.com.